Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in and put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. For the measure that you use will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And then he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man who scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces it by itself. First the blade, then the ear, and the full grain in the ear. When the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what shall we compare the kingdom of God? And what parables shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. That is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you that you've given us parables, you've taught us, and that now I get to explain it. Lord, help me by your Holy Spirit, explain it accurately and well. And I pray for their hearts that you, they would be good soil, just as we looked at last week. That you'd prepare their hearts for the seed planted, that it would bear good fruit in their lives. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, in 1999, there was a unique science fiction movie that came out. Think back all those years. It was like no other that come before it. It was called The Matrix. Did anyone see that movie? The Matrix. So there's a scene you might have forgotten. I don't know why it's stuck in my memory all these years, but where Keanu Reeves turns to the main, main female character and says, do you know how to fly a helicopter? And she says, not yet. And she opens her flip phone. Yes, it was a flip phone in 1999. And uh, calls base and they load to her brain this, all the skills, how to fly a helicopter in 10 seconds. She says, now I do. And they go get on the helicopter and they fly and they shoot all the bad guys. Anyway, but... Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, just like low kids, wouldn't that be great? You're going back to school? Just to load to your brain in 10 seconds, all you need for the year. Be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Adults, I don't know if you've tried to learn any new skills as adults. It is quite a slow process, right? Think about Christ-likeness. How's that go? Right? I've I've been at this, following the Lord for some decades, and, and still, even this year, the Lord is continuing to show me sin in my life. You think we'd be done by now? Oh, no. There's still plenty there. And it is a slow process, isn't it? To deal with sin, to be sanctified, to see sin in your life and to slowly be changed, right? No 10 seconds loading it into my brain. And that's what it is to be a Christian. Now, the thing about the Jews, let's go back to the days of Jesus. They they hadn't seen the matrix, but they had expectations about how things were going to go and they were going to go real fast, right? They thought the Messiah is going to come. He's going to make everything all better, Right? He's going to be this big military leader. He's better than King David, that fierce warrior. He's going to save us from the Romans. That was their expectation. 
And so then Jesus shows up and he's this, looks like an average Jewish guy. They're like, that's not what we're expecting. Right? He's preaching and saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. And they're like, all right, pull out your sword anytime, buddy. Right? But, and so Jesus has to teach them, what is the kingdom really going to be like? They had all these expectations. We have expectations too, and we'll get to that. Right? But this is what he's doing. Look on page seven, you see the outline. How does the kingdom of God grow? Our passage answers that in four ways. The kingdom grows by speaking the word first. The kingdom grows mysteriously and surprisingly. The kingdom grows slowly but incredibly. And then lastly, the kingdom grows by the power of Christ. So let's look at that first one. The kingdom grows by speaking the word. Okay, let me look, think back about last week. You remember Brandon preached about the four types of soil, right? Three bad, one good. Right, first you had the hard soil, then you had the one with rocks, then you had with weeds, right, and thorns, and then finally good soil, right? And so it was all about that and how we need to be good soil, and that when the word is planted in us, they would bear good fruit. Okay, so this parable kind of connects to that, that very first one. Um, so look in verse 21. So right after he finishes saying, if you're good soil, you'll bear fruit 30, 60, or 100-fold. That's where the last passage ended. Then look at verse 21. And he said to them, if a lamp is a lamp brought in and put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand, for nothing is hidden except to be manifest and nothing is secret except to come to light. Okay, so he's connecting these two. He's saying that Jesus does not just intend that you bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold, just in private, just for your own benefit in secret, that it's actually supposed to shine out for everyone else. Right? It says in Matthew that you are the light of the world, right? Or then, and that we are like a, a um, city on a hill. Now, if there were any kids there that day, they would have, kids, if you heard someone say, hey, do you put a lamp under your bed? They would have all chuckled and been like, no, that's silly. Right? Of course you don't do that. Lamps aren't for putting in a basket. You light a lamp at night because they didn't have electricity to like see in the dark room. And that makes sense. When you put a flashlight, you don't stick the flashlight in your pocket or in a bag. Right? You shine it so you can see what you're doing, right? And so Jesus says this ridiculous thing, but why? What's his point? Now I want to pause for a moment and talk about parables. Jesus tells a lot of parables. How do we understand parables? Or in this parable, he's going to say a little bit later about mustard seed and, and all this stuff. And so this morning, I just want to teach you as we go, how do we understand parables? Because a lot of people abuse them. Okay, so he's saying don't put it under a basket. He's saying, let it shine. Well, how's it going to shine? At first, how's it concealed, right? It said, nothing is hidden. Well, there's at least three ways that things are hidden. In the whole Old Testament, how clear was the gospel? It wasn't. It wasn't until the New Testament we got to see the whole picture. Oh, we get it. It all comes together, right? So nothing is hidden that will not be revealed. And if you ever, kids, have you ever tried to hold a beach ball under the water in the pool? How long can you do that? Not very long, right? And then what happens? Boop, right? It pops back out. Same with this. Or you just can't hold down truth for long. What about the Pharisees? That's the second way it's true, right? The religious leaders had hidden the gospel under all their legalism, right? You just have all these rules and regulations. That's the second way. Things were hidden. A third way is actually Jesus himself, right? He often would say, don't tell anybody when he'd heal. 
He wasn't. He, he would say privately, he would explain to his disciples privately the meaning of the parables, right? And so in Jesus' ministry, it, it, it didn't explode until he left, actually, right? He spent all his time with 12 apostles, then he was humiliated and executed. That doesn't sound very impressive, does it? It was very, very, not, not it was more hidden, but he's saying, this is going to change. Since that time, it's now been proclaimed, proclaimed from the rooftop. Okay, so we see that. But remember last time, remember all four types of soil? They all heard the word, right? Didn't they all hear the word? And then it's how they responded. And so this first point, the kingdom grows by speaking the word. And in, in Romans ten seventeen says, by faith comes from hearing. You're going to have to hear it. That's how all of you are Christians. You're here because someone actually spoke with their mouth to you and said, there is a God, you've sinned against him, you need to repent, and you did. Isn't that true? So it comes by hearing. Okay, so what else do we learn? Our second point. The kingdom grows mysteriously and surprisingly. Look at verse 26 and 27. It says, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Pause there. That should sound familiar. He's, that's what he said last time, right? Seed is scattered on these four types of soil. But rather than focusing on soil, what does he focus on? Look at the next verse. So the farmer scatters seed and then he sleeps and rises night and day and the seed just sprouts and grows. He knows not how the earth produces it by itself. Kids, have you ever planted seeds before? You're planted seeds. It's a really slow process, right? You plant them in the ground, rain, it rains on them, and you're like, what's going to happen? Right? Nothing happens for a good while. And finally, one day, just all of a sudden, it sprouts up. Have you ever seen that? Have you planted seeds? Jesus is using this analogy, this, this parable. Now, what's the, let's think about the farmer. This is good here. So the farmer, what's he doing? He plants the seed, and then what does he do? What's the beginning of verse 27 says? He sleeps. <laughs> I love this. Okay, so farmer puts the seed in the ground, and then he just goes to bed. And then he gets up, and he goes to bed, and finally one day it sprouts up. Okay, so what did he do from the time he planted it to magically make it germinate? Nothing. This is good for every pastor to hear, right? That he didn't, like, go out and, like, remember last week, Brandon said, like, yell at the soil, like, right? He didn't. He planted the seed, and there's nothing you can do. I mean, he watered it. There's no irrigation. This is 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, right? They're, they have to pray for rain is about all they can do, and, and so it, it sprouts. And so this, I love this, but it's not just for pastors. It's for you. It's for you. The seed is planted in you, but it takes time, doesn't it? When you, I remember I was talking about sanctification, about when you see sin in you. It is a slow process, have you tried to help someone come to Christ? How quick is that? It's slow. You share with them. You tell them, hey, the Bible says this. And it's a slow process. And so Jesus is trying to set their expectations. Night and day. He waits and then sprouts. And then that look at the beginning of 28. It says the earth produces it by itself. It's almost like the earth just, voila, and there it is. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. Now, what if he compared it instead of to seed growing to manufacturing a car? Does anyone know how you manufacture a car? Let me give you the highlights. All right. So first, you start with blueprints. 
and CAD drawings, right? You design the whole thing in a computer, okay? That's the first stage. A lot of engineers doing a lot of work, right? Then they got to manufacture all those parts and pieces and components. Then they have to assemble all those things together on assembly line, and then you have a car. Now, how is this different? Well, then if you actually throw enough money at the thing and you build a big enough factory, you can make a multi-billion dollar multinational corporation. There's plenty of them, right? So they do. Is the kingdom like that? Is church planting like that? We're a little bit closer to home here. We're a church plant. If you throw enough money at it, can't you grow it fast? What do you think? Jesus didn't say the kingdom of God is like manufacturing cars. Now, I know you're saying it's because there weren't cars and Henry Ford hadn't come up with the idea of an assembly line. There's another reason. He could have said, like, it's like being a carpenter, right? What's the life of a carpenter like? You take a block of wood and you, you work on it until you have a piece of furniture. What happens when a carpenter's sleeping? Nothing. Same with car manufacturers. Nothing's happening when you're sleeping. You get it. Unless you're working, nothing's happening. Jesus didn't say that. He said, it's like a seed planted. There's a point to it. You can't make it grow. I can't make it grow. The kingdom grows, just the earth by itself just sprouts. This is how church planting goes too. Jesus is teaching us something. Look at the look again at this and just and think about our church. The kingdom of God is this of a man who scatters seed on the ground. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm scattering seed on you. It's the word of God. He sleeps. I'm planning to go into bed tonight. Rises night and day. Now, sure, I talked to some of you during the week, but I'm still just talking to you about the word, right? I still can't make you grow. It's the Lord that does it. You talk to each other. You have prayer triads. You meet in missional communities, which we'll start back up soon. But it sprouts. He knows not how. I know not how, but I know that the word is powerful. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's teaching them. He's giving them expectations. They had their expectations. They were all wrong. You have expectations. I have expectations. Some of them come from corporate America. And a lot of the American church has bought into that. I'll come back to that. But he's not done. He has another parable. All right, so third point. The kingdom grows slowly but incredibly. Look at his next parable. I love this verse. Look at verse 30. He said, now what? With what can I compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall I use for it? He sounds like a preacher to me. So we do all the time, right? Now, what illustration could I come up with to try to explain this to people? Right? You, you're trying to explain something that, that people don't understand by something they do understand. I recently had a friend visit from college. And I tried to explain to him what grits were. He'd never had them before. It was quite humorous. I mean, think, how would you explain grits? Well, it's corn. Not like, not like corn on the cob. Um, they've ground it up. It's a little bit like oatmeal, but not like oatmeal. But it, it's kind of, you know, think about it. it. It took a while, and then finally the, the, the waiter just said, you want a spoonful of them? And so I gave him a sample, and he said, oh, these are really good. Jesus says, now what shall I compare the kingdom of God? Something you don't understand, people. So what does he do? Look at the verse, 31. He said, it's like a grain of mustard seed which when sown in the ground, okay, now we're to the third time he's using seed. I guess he must like this, huh? There must be some clear connection between the kingdom and seed. Remember Brandon talked a long time about that big oak tree at his house, remember? 
talking about the potential of that little acorn many, many years ago that grew a huge oak tree and a tiny little cedar, tiny, this is saying a mustard seed, even smaller than acorn, which is sown in the ground as the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so the birds of the air can nest in its shade. Remember, I talked about how to understand a parable. Let's talk about that for a second. Oh, I got an idea. Maybe we should all donate to organizations that build habitats for endangered birds. Hey, did this, well, they'll grow and it'll provide shade for birds. You think I'm silly, but people have come up with crazier things of how to apply parables, right? It's, it seems like it's just a wax nose, right? You can make it for whatever purpose. How do you rightly understand a parable? I mean, Brandon had the benefit. Jesus explained it. I don't have that benefit this week. So what do you do when he doesn't explain it? Well, there's a couple things you do. One, you look at the context, right? What is he talking about? What just happened just before this? Often a parable comes after some situation. Or sometimes he says at the beginning of it, what shall we compare the what? The kingdom of God. We must be talking about what? The kingdom of God. Okay, so we aren't talking about birds and habitats for endangered species. We're talking about the kingdom of God. Okay, now what do we notice? What does he highlight? He takes a situation, a seed, and he highlights two things. How small the seed is and what? How large the plant is. Okay, so there's this relationship. Really small seed, really large plant. This is now the third one about this. We talked about the soils. We talked about the farmer who like surprisingly he sleeps and all of a sudden it sprouts up. And then now we're talking about the relationship between tiny seed, big plant. How does this relate? What's he trying to teach? The kingdom of God starts small and unimpressive. The kingdom of God starts small and unimpressive. I want to look at this from two angles, micro and macro. When I was a kid, there was micro machines. They probably don't exist anymore, but kids, let me try to help you here. Okay. So you heard of a microscope? You know what a microscope is used for? You look through a microscope and you can see something very small and you can look at it big. Micro means small, okay? Macro, if you've ever played on your parents' phone on Google Maps, you can zoom out. If you just keep zooming out, you get a macro perspective, okay? Micro, microscope is little. This is vocabulary for you, all right? Okay, so let's look at the macro. Let's look at the big picture, okay? We've zoomed way out. All right, 2,000 years ago, as I said before, Jesus came and ministered for three years to 12 guys and then gets humiliated and executed, That is not very impressive, right? That is pretty much like a mustard seed, very small and unimpressive. Now, what's happened since then? Let me just take you a quick journey over the past 2,000 years. So all the apostles, most of them get executed. Many of the early believers, they get executed. There's this great line, the blood of the martyrs. Remember how it ends? Was the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. God used their lives, their sacrifice, and their death to be seeds that would be planted in the earth. It would grow and have a huge harvest. There's this great verse in John 12, 24. Jesus said this. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears one tree, right? When you plant a seed, the seed dies in the ground, but it sprouts up this big plant. He's speaking of himself, right? Then the the next verse says, whoever loves his life loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
It's exactly what Jesus did, isn't it? He laid down his life. But then what happened as you go through history? Well, the gospel exploded. It went all through the Mediterranean world. It went down into Africa, went into Asia, finally went over into Europe. Then fast forward to the Reformation. Things were not looking all that great. But then the Reformation, God does a huge work. They rediscover the gospel as if, and they understand justification, right? And you see this huge change. And so the, the, again, it's growing, it's growing. The kingdom of God is growing. Remember this mustard seed that's continued to grow bigger. You get to the 1700s, you get to the 1800s, you have the modern missionary movement, right? You got missionaries going out all over the world. It's amazing. You got, even to today, the underground church in China, it's just the gospel is exploding slowly over the whole world. Now, now contrast that. Okay, that's the journey. You just traveled over 2,000 years. Of, let's look at empires. Remember the Roman Empire? How's it doing today? Anyone go visit the Roman Empire? Yeah, it's long gone. What about the British Empire? Remember that? They had like colonies all over the world. They were huge. It's crazy. We still have Britain, but there's not the empire it once was. What about Hitler's empire? How's he doing? It's long gone. You know what? Every empire through history, some rose real fast, but they all fell. They're all gone. Every, there's no empire that's been here thousands of years that isn't gone now. This will happen with the American empire. Sorry to break it to you. Unless the Lord comes before, eventually the American empire will fall. I mean, just look at history. Every empire. That is why you are an alien in this world. Do not put your hope in America. Of course we love it. The, the scripture says, it says in, when you're in Rome, you need to serve that country. You need to help them benefit and succeed. But it will not last. Every empire falls. Every empire through all of history has fallen except the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom of God, it kept growing, hasn't it? Every persecution has failed. Every attempt to crush Christianity has failed. Usually when they do, it actually goes even more. Whereas there's more blood of martyrs, there's more seed of the church. And so I just wanted you to see that. And so this is Jesus setting their expectation. He said, hey, I ain't coming to overthrow the Romans. Get that out of your head. He said, I'm coming as a mustard seed, but it will grow and grow and grow. and grow. Okay, that's the macro view. Remember that, the kids, that means big. What does micro mean? Small. Small, yep. So let's look at the micro perspective. What happens? We're a church plant. How should we expect? What do we learn from this passage that should set our expectations for our church? That would be helpful, wouldn't it? We should expect the same. This is the way God customarily does things. Now, of course, can he do, has he ever exploded churches? Yes. You look at Acts, they brought 3,000 in one day. But that wasn't because they like supercharged the thing. It was because the Holy Spirit decided to show up. Remember, we're farmers. I just scatter the seed and I sleep. Sometimes the God, God brings huge harvests, but generally, if you look through most of history in most places, it is slow and steady growth. And slow and steady growth is actually the healthiest, right? Because we don't want to just want to gather a crowd. There are ways to gather a fast crowd. I'll talk to you more about that in a moment. But I wanted to talk, you remember Jack and the Beanstalk? That's what some people hope for their churches. Kids, have you read that story, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk? And they plant this little bean and it grows into this huge thing really fast. And people hope for that. And if you've gardened, how does that, do, do your plants grow like that? Only thing that grows fast is weeds. 
at least in my garden, they had all these expe- the messianic expectations, right? And Jesus is trying to help them see this is how it's going to grow. Why would this be important? Because they need to be in the long haul, right? If you're going to garden, if you're expecting Jack and the Beanstalks, you're, you're not going to last very long, right? You need to be prepared to last a whole season, right? To continue to water, continue to weed. And finally, in a couple months, you have some tomatoes. Hopefully, if they don't get some disease, doesn't get them. He was just setting their expectations. He wants to set our expectations. All right, in the conclusion, I'll come back and talk about that a little more. Let's get to our fourth point. The kingdom grows by the power of Christ. All right, let me read this last section. Look at verse 25. It's also on page seven in your bulletin. All right, we need to finish out the chapter. On that day, when evening had come. Okay, so he finishes. We've looked at his teaching. Now we're going to look at him in action. And he said to them, this is Jesus, let us go across the other side. And leaving the crowd, he, he took, they took him, the apostles, with him in the boat, just as he was. He's exhausted. He's been teaching all day. Other boats are with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern. What's he doing? Asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? He awoke, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now there's so much in here that I don't have time to tell you about. But one thing I wanted to make sure you get is the power of Christ. He's cast out demons, he's healed guys, and now he's yelling at the sea. He's not yelling, he's just speaking to it. And it's so bang. This past week, I was at Folly Beach. And I, I do this every once in a while. It's real fun. And no one was around. And uh, I just hollered out the ocean. Be still. You know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Try it sometime. It's just a, it's a healthy reminder that you are not God. <clears throat> I really did. <laughs> but Jesus... He did just like I did. It was a mouth, it was a human vocal cords that spoke out words just like me. Except the waves heard it and they heard the voice of their creator. Isn't that cool? And they had to obey. They had no choice but to calm down because he was in charge. They knew the authority that Jesus had. It's just, it's helpful. We could read this and we forget like this is real vocal cords and real humans and real waves. And Jesus had that power. Does Jesus still have that power? I mean, do you believe that he really calmed that storm that day? Do you believe that he still has that power? You see, the reason that the church and the kingdom grow slowly was not because that was the only way it could be. I mean, every time Jesus preached, he could have started with a big light and sound show. And we could have lightning, thunder. And we could have got everyone's attention. But he didn't. He didn't. It was not theatrics. See, remember I said there are ways to grow a church faster. There are ways to try to supercharge it. You know, and if I could say like abracadabra and I could make this church explode, I would be tempted to do it. (laughs) If I could throw miracle grow on it, thankfully I can't. I have this parable that says, go home and sleep, farmer. And so I do. You know, you're gardening. Kids, like, what if you went and, like, taped fruit to that little sprout? 
look, mom, look what I found on the plants outside. It's not really being fruitful, right? You're just taping it to it. There's ways to, to gather crowds faster, isn't there? But there's lots of crowds that gather at concerts, all kind of places. That's not the kingdom, is it? There's these really sobering verses in 1 Corinthians 3 that says, let me summarize the first part. Anyone can lay a foundation. There's no foundation that can be laid except on Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become manifest. Now, this is good for pastors to hear, but it's very scary. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed with fire. The fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If his work that anyone has built on a foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only through fire. You see my work and your work and all of our work, the work in your home with your family, will be tested at the end of time. You see, a big crowd can be gathered, but that doesn't mean that there's necessarily any fruit. It can just be like taping fruit on a little sprout. And that's not really being fruitful, 30, 60, or 100 fold, as Brandon looked at last time. There's this interesting little book that, uh, have you ever heard of Bill Hybels? He started Willow Creek Church. He, um, I really respect his, his courage here. Um, they published this book. This is 2007. They hired a research company and said, come research our mega church and see how fruitful we've been. Now that's courageous, but it gets more courageous when it gets the results and says, we should publish them for the world to see. Here's the introduction that he wrote. He said, you can imagine my reaction when three people, this is Bill Hybels, whose counsel I value told me that the local church I've been pastoring for more than three decades was not doing as well as thought when it came to spiritual growth. He goes on, one of the subtitles on the front says, surprising research finds that rocked Willow, Willow Creek it is, the brutal truth about spiritual growth. Right, so when they did the data, so before being revealed by fire, they said, hey, let's figure out how we're doing. And so I just want to set your expectations. What are we about here? Hope Community Church, what are we trying to accomplish? Are we trying to just gather a big crowd? No. Because when it's revealed by fire, we won't have much left. We actually want to see lives transformed. We want to see your marriages transformed. We want to see your children transformed. And then we want to see you be a part of being that light to your neighbors, that your neighbors would be transformed. It is slow, slow work. Any work that matters, that lasts, is slow work. And so this passage is saying this. But I want you to encourage you, that same passage, 1 Corinthians 3, says this before. It says, Paul says, I planted Paulus water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. God, that powerful God that stilled the, the, the storm, is still working powerfully. He wants to transform your life, and he will. Give it time. All of you parents know this. Parenting is a slow process. It's not overnight, right? But if you persevere, it will bear fruit over time. And so God wants to set our expectations. Do any of you know how to fly a helicopter? I know some of you know how to fly a plane. You know how to fly a helicopter? Probably not. Now, and I can't like do any abracadabra to like 10 seconds give it to you. Any of you know how to be Christ-like in every way? 
I can't do any abracadabra with that either. But what I can do, I will do, which is I will scatter seed on you and Brandon will and we will in small groups and all kinds of places over and over because we believe that over time, God really will grow mustard seeds into large plants. And over decades, God will do something here. And so this sermon, this passage is to set our expectations, to roll up our sleeves, to be encouraged that God really does work, but it takes time. But he really, really, really is working. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you really are working, that Jesus really did calm that sea. And you still have that power, Jesus. And you are working through me, through in them, in their families, in this church, in this community. We want to see Cain Bay transformed, but we know that's a long, long road. So Lord, help us roll up our sleeves. But our hope is not in ourselves as farmers. The earth by itself will produce the fruit. So Lord, please produce that fruit. Father, I pray that we may all sing as we did as kids. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. Lord, I pray that you'd help us let our light shine in such simple, unimpressive ways like you did and your apostles did and that you would bring the harvest. Lord, please bring the harvest. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.